2 a.m. in New York, 9 a.m. in Johannesburg, and 2 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Shenander Bean from SundayBean.com, and I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. You have a hard time saying no. You're frustrated because there's never enough time to do what really matters to you. You often feel spread too thin. Today, I have the answer for you. And it begins with boundaries. And there is no better person I can think of inviting onto Expat Happy Hour to learn about them than from Jeannie Miller, psychotherapist, trainer, and supervisor, and co-author of the book, Boundaries, How to Draw the Line in Your Head, Heart, and Home. Now, Jeannie is amazing. She recently just moved from Hampshire, where she had this thriving private practice seeing couples, individuals, and supervisees to Edinburgh, Scotland. So she understands what transition is like. She spent many years as a psychotherapist, working primarily with couples around boundaries and storytelling. She is also the founder of the Key to Couple Work training and, of course, has been um, working in tight collaboration with the award-winning journalist Victoria Lambert on this book. The result is a four-step program to help develop self-esteem, create time to do the things that nourish and fulfill you, discover a deep sense of calm, and achieve healthy control over your life, home, and work. Who doesn't want that? Right? So it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Jeannie Miller to Expat Happy Hour. So now that they've heard a little bit about you, I'd like to welcome you to Expat Happy Hour. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. You know, I was looking through your book before you and I hopped on the phone together and I was kind of in that sort of panic mode of, oh my gosh, there's so much goodness in here. I do not know where to begin because what you offer is so pragmatic, but let's just start with the basics. Your book is Boundaries, How to Draw the Line in Your Head, Heart and Home. Can you start by just simply telling us what is a boundary? Well, simply, <laughs> that's what I was asked by my writing partner right at the beginning, which is why then it turned into a book. Because it can start off as sounding quite simple, but then it ends up being actually a very long conversation. So as simply as possible is that it's first of all about knowing your own personal boundary, knowing the place in you that is the okay that's enough i need to stop or i need to go forward because mm -hmm. a boundary a healthy boundaries aren't always about stopping and it's also sometimes about pushing ourselves forward because mm. an unhealthy boundary can equally be one that allows too many people to invade your space but it can also be one that doesn't allow you to get out there Hmm. Yeah, I don't think people typically think about it from both sides. That's yeah. really useful. Yeah. 
a lot of my clients say that they have a hard time saying no. And one of the things that you mentioned that I absolutely love in your book, you say that love can soften any boundary that oftentimes, you know, when I work with individuals, they want to set a boundary, new ways of doing things. But when their loved ones uh, come into the picture, it's hard to keep that hard no, a no, or that yes, a yes, if they're saying yes to themselves, but then um, people are asking things of them. So it can be, it can be hard um, to navigate boundaries that you really think you want. Yes, it can be. And that can be from through um, really loving your friend, you know, really making, so really having a new friend at whatever age and that lovely feeling of, wow, I really connect with this person. And you just want to be boundaryless, really, through to um, falling in love with a partner, um, through to falling in love with your children that it can make us want to be boundaryless. Mm-hmm. So why are boundaries good? So boundaries are good because it brings in um, an ability to be safe and to look after yourself in the relationship and therefore to be in a healthy place of looking after the relationship. Just mm-hmm. so Yep. You know what? Something I I think you and I really align on is that, you know, step one of your book is me, myself and I, how you really do have to start with yourself Um, so you can have healthy boundaries. And I love that you say you look after yourself so that you can look after the relationship. So if you truly value the relationship, you will look after yourself. Absolutely. Because I think you quite common to feel that actually well if I really love that person it's even sort of comes across sometimes in sort of magazines and films if I really love that person I will do anything for them well that that isn't actually real love um and that can end up then being dangerous to the relationship if you can come in Absolutely. So this idea of being a martyr to your family, for example, it it leads to bitterness and resentment. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So it's not real love. I love that. So when you fail to look after yourself, you are not doing your best to look after your relationship. And when you are being a martyr in your relationships, it's not real love. No, no, you, you, you've Mm -hmm. gone somewhere else. I mean, you're, you're not in that sort of adult to adult I mean I'm using TA speak which is something we use in the book but it's about being in the here and now and what's best for you in the here and now which actually initially sounds simple and initially sounds like well yes of course that makes sense but in practice it's harder and takes practice to be able to do Right. So this is so immense. And what I love about what you've done is you've you've really shown a mirror of how people can use boundaries to create more in their lives with fitness, eating, social media, their children, et cetera, et cetera. Before we go into the details, can you I mean, how did you come to write this book? It's phenomenal. Thank you. Um, It came about through uh, just a, a a coffee conversation with Victoria. And um, we actually did 
she really thought about it. We decided to put it in the book right at the beginning, how she was having a dilemma over um, sending an email. Um, She was being asked to be once again on a board. Can you do this? Can you do that? And she had done this and she had done more than enough for this board voluntarily. And she'd written a chapter and verse email, which I think is very recognisable to a lot of people of, you know, oh, I'm really sorry, I can't do this. And this is the reason why. And on and on and on, giving a whole backstory of why not. And then at the end of the email, she had said, um, but let me know if I can be of any further help. And that's the <laughs> bit I started with. And I said, so what's that about? Why are you leaving the door open? You're saying you'll still help. And she hadn't seen that. And it was just her being nice and friendly. Um, so I said, actually, you could write this. And it was literally a paragraph. Thank you, you know, thank you for asking me again. I've enjoyed our time together type thing. And now it's time for me to move on. I wish you well. And she couldn't believe she could write that and it would be okay. So with quite a lot of fear, actually, she sent that email, waited 24 hours, quaking that there may be a sort of quite an unpleasant parental backlash. Um, And she got a very nice email back saying, thank you very much. We've appreciated everything you've done. All the best of your future. And she couldn't believe how it worked. Something. All of that for nothing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it ties to this idea of how we want to be nice, and which is very different from being kind, and we want to be liked. Yes, 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 yes. But being liked, yeah. it isn't equal to being a doormat. There's no respect. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And if I want to be liked because I'm a doormat, I'd rather not have their affection, <laughs> to be yeah, clear. Exactly. Oh, look, just walk on me and scuff your shoes on me again. So. Right. And again, that's not, that's not real. That's not real love. That's not real kindness. Not. So what do you think are some of the warning signs? You know, if someone's listening, they're like, oh, gosh, yeah, I have a hard time saying no. What are some other warning signs that you need to set better boundaries in your life? Well, a warning sign. So say your listeners who are listening to the podcast, I would say, I would invite them to have a think. Okay, so if say you're listening to this in the morning, what look, look at my day. What have I got on today? Or if you're listening to it in the evening or the afternoon, what have I got on over the next 24 hours? How many of those things do I need to do? So yes, I may need to obviously take my children to school or I may need to go to work. Um, I may need to be doing both. Um, but have a look through and see what else, what do you actually need to do? And what have you said yes to doing in order to be nice or in order to be liked or in order to mm-hmm. try and keep someone else happy? So actually they're not unpleasant to you. Look at those and see what would it be like. I'm not saying right at the beginning that you have to rush in and change everything at all. This is small steps. But just imagine, say that you are dropping the kids at school and then you are going to work. And then that precious half hour lunch slot you've got, you've said, actually, yes, that's all right. Um, You will check your, your friend's work. You don't need to go to lunch. You'll check over something for them. What would it have been like if you'd said, actually, you know what? I can't do that today. And you had that half an hour. 
what would you do in that half an hour? Mm -hmm. It ties to what, um, you know, I draw on the work from Dr. Martha Beck and she talks about the body compass. So really listening to your body on what feels feels good for you. And she talks about shackles on and shackles off. If, if looking over your friend's work over lunch feels like it's shackles on, it's probably a sign you've said yes to be nice to them, but not because it's totally in alignment with, with what you want. And I, I talk about this, like a dirty, yes. I don't want a dirty yes from someone. I want a clean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But, but sometimes people don't even know what they want. <laughs> so they're not even clear. Is this a clean yes or a dirty yes? Yeah. How do you think, how do people get started with, with understanding that? So this is why it is small steps. So it's looking forward. What is my next 24 hours looking like? What would it be looking like if I'd said no to that friend? And it's also looking backwards. In my last 24 hours, what would it have looked like if I'd said, actually, maybe to one of my children who came in after school and said, oh, can you, oh, I, I really, really want to, I've been asked around to, you know, Jade's house. Can you, can you take me around? And you look at the child and you want to do what, you want to make them happy. But actually, in doing that, you then ended up, you did take them to Jade's house. And then you realised you had to go and fit in something else and something else. And you went and picked them up. And by the time you went to pick them up, you're most probably pretty ratty and pretty pissed off and end up being quite grumpy and snappy with them. And then it all gets worse and worse and end of day, horrid bedtime. Well, oh, gosh, how many people have been there? I mean, I know there's people listening right now going, "Okay, totally been there. (laughs) And it all started out, ironically, to be nice to your child. And then you end up being momzilla. Yes, exactly. So. Okay, so imagine, let me imagine. So first of all, to start with, it's sort of imagining, visualizing, what would it be? I'll send myself back to that time and I'll say, you know what? I can't do that today. That's not going to work. You could see her another day and maybe give the child some other dates. On this day and this day, that would be fine. I can fit that in. But today, that's not going to work. And tolerating your child's maybe anger, misery oh but the fear of missing out you know or maybe that they're all but okay but actually you know what we all have to tolerate fear of missing out sometimes Mm -hmm. do that another time using it as a teaching moment you know in your book you say under one of the things where you talk about drawing the line you say self-boundaries don't just mean being firm with ourselves but with others sometimes the greatest threat to you building a strong set of self-boundaries comes from the person you love the most yes it really does because they're the ones who already in further so Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the book we have this little um visualization Oh, and I don't want to sort of give spoilers, so I invite your listeners to have a go at it. Um, but about it's about imagining your own boundary. And from that, that can really help you realise those who do easily invade it or you invite mm-hmm. in um, or are really near to it. And so you need to be really aware of that. We all know the people that we keep at arm's length. I mean, it's a term, isn't it? People say, oh, right. you know, they're, they're nice, but actually I kind of keep them at arm's length. We know the people that we do that with. 
but it's harder to do that with our loved ones. Right. Because it feels like it's creating distance. But what we've just heard is actually when we don't respect our boundaries, we, our behavior ends up sabotaging the situation and we're not creating connection. It's the opposite. So there's a couple of things that I'm really, really curious about. The first one, um, and I'm at risk of not, I don't have the research in front of me, but I'll just tell you from my hunch and I'm going to see if you know from the research, my experience with my clients is that the women I work with really have a hard time creating strong boundaries yeah. because they get tangled up in like what I want is so connected to, well, my partner wants that. So I also want that. And I also want my kid, what my kids want. So it's like this woven mess yeah. of where your wants are connected to other people's wants. So tell me, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I've noticed in, in my practice. Is there research that supports that? I don't think there is yet. Um, but I, I, I think it's absolutely the case. Um, I think it, I think slowly, slowly it's changing. Uh, but generally, and normally I hate generalizations, but it's hard not to see it that little girls are brought up to be more pleasing to others. And the mm-hmm. boys are not encouraged to be as pleasing to others. Mm-hmm. And most probably need to meet somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, right. You know, very often little girls are, and you can still see it. So if you have a room, if you have a room full of adults, the chances are it might be the little girl who's asked to, oh, can you, you know, oh, can you go and get the, the biscuits from the kitchen? And it won't often be the little boy who will be asked that. Mm-hmm. And that can seem such an innocent thing. Um, but we do educate and we have historically educated our girls to please others. And we've educated our boys more to please themselves, which equally has not then been healthy for them. Right. Everybody loses. Everybody loses. There's yeah. a boy being brought up. Totally. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, my background um, way back in my bachelor's degree in the 90s <laughs> was with um, with Amy Sheldon and Deborah Tannen, you know, about gender communication. Yes. And what we were learning from the research then is how that early socialization of girls and boys. And of course, the question of n- nature versus nurture isn't you know fully answered, but yeah. it's frightening how we do that. And I'm raising two boys and I. I try to be mindful of the messages I send, but some of them are just flip out of our mouth before we even realize that they're, that they're happening. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing that I see people struggle with, it's it, you and I both use the same term of first class self care Yeah. that one of the steps for my clients to start taking care of themselves and you have an exact same order in, in your book about me, myself and I, you start with yourself And you talk about this idea, you say good self-care doesn't equal self-spoiling. It's not about indulging yourself, but taking mature decisions. I love that. Can you help us understand what's the difference between indulging and taking a mature decision? Okay. So I think we can get get the lines blurred with this one. Um, And it can seem... um, Oh well, you know, I just, I just really need to 
I mean, I think food, I think food is, a, is the easiest one to look at on this because, um, so you may have had a bit of a, a rough morning. It may be coffee time and you may think, you know, I've had a really pants morning. I'm going to have a biscuit. Fine, have a biscuit. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I really don't want to be the, the food police. I really don't like this sort of good food, bad food stuff. Have mm -hmm. a biscuit. Um, but the healthy boundary is have a biscuit or two biscuits and that's it. It can be quite difficult sometimes because it can turn into, well, now I've started, I might as well finish the packet. Or if it's a half empty packet, well, there's only two left. I might as well have four biscuits. That's then, that's gone into self-indulgence. That's not looking after yourself. Because the chances mm -hmm. are you're going to feel rubbish about yourself. Right. But Same goes with alcohol, right? Like I've had a long day. I'm just going to have yeah. a glass of wine and then maybe a second. Well, the bottle's almost finished, so I might as well finish yeah. it, right? Same thing. It is. It is. Absolutely. It's And I I think often, I, as you can see, we can, do, as if you're parents, you can do that with your children as well, that you you can sort of sometimes, sometimes it's easier to see it with your child. Actually, you know what? You know what? Love, you don't really, you know, two biscuits, that's enough. You know, you're going to have your supper soon. We can sometimes see it more easily with another, but we can't see it with ourselves. Or mm -hmm. we may equally go down there, oh, well, they might as well have the whole lot now to save, keep the peace. Well, mm. you know, none of that is healthy. It's not healthy with other, and it's certainly not healthy with self either. Uh, mm -hmm. And the first time you do it, the first time you can do that for yourself or for the other, it's really noting it. It's really going, actually, I, I really give yourself, we talk about positive strokes, you know, really giving yourself that positive affirmation of, you know what, well done me. No, I've had a mm -hmm. bit of a rubbish day so far. I've had a coffee. I've had a couple of biscuits. I've given myself a little treat. I'm feeling a bit better for it. It sort of, speaks to my inner child and I feel like I've been cozy and looked after a bit that's good and I didn't need any more it's noticing also when you do make that healthy boundary don't just sort of go oh well I've done that and move on stop right. take a moment give yourself a good pat on the back that's so important mm -hmm. celebrating it yeah celebrating yeah it. yeah so I mean this is it's so central what do we get if we do the work to get clear on our boundaries and are mindful about setting them and working at keeping them, what do we get? You will get, <laughs> uh, you get a, a healthier relationship. So let's start with food. You'll get a healthier relationship with food. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, I think if you have healthy boundaries, there's no need to be on the dreaded diet word. You don't need to be mm -hmm. diet you can eat what you want because you have healthy boundaries around it. So it will help your relationship with food, with alcohol, uh, with fitness, and with your relationships outside work, in work, um, family relationships. And that it's 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 not a magic wand. It's not, we're not going to be sending you immediately over the rainbow and everything's going to be colourful and beautiful and you're going to be tripping down a yellow brick road. <laughs> it will be tough it will be yeah. tough you know because there will be yeah. times where you will actually think oh 
forget that I'm eating the whole packet, you know, or, or right. you know, I'm finishing the bottle, or I'm not going to the gym, or I'm not going to go and play that tennis. But it's okay. We 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 will in learning to do it. We we make the mistakes. We come back on the path, and we can keep going. Mm-hmm. Friendship will change. I suppose the biggest health warning is that friendships will change as well. Can you say more about your friendships? That's interesting. Um, so um, a bit further on in the book, we talk about something called the drama triangle. And it's how we we all do it. We all set up relationships where either we may be the person who looks looks after the other one more and the friend may be the one who always seems to be getting it, having scrapes, always seems to be having crises and need, looks like needs looking after more. So you have this, what we call the rescuer and victim relationship where the other one you know, just seems to be a victim of circumstance, stuff keeps happening um, and the rescuer feels good in looking after them. And that is a very classic sort of um, friendship or even relationship. Now, that can keep running for years even until maybe the rescuer begins to get a bit hacked off maybe begins to think oh god you're on the phone again something else has gone wrong and i'm actually i'm trying to get out the door um they begin to feel a bit peeved and then they begin to feel a bit more than peeved that can all build into actually then they begin to feel cross and then they begin to begin to build up resentment until something may happen to them and they want their victim friend to look after them and victim friend doesn't do it. Because why should they? They've never had to do that. Because rescuers mm-hmm. are really rubbish at asking other people for help. So the rescuer friend may begin to feel a bit persecutory towards the victim friend and there may be quite a big upset. Um, and that mm-hmm. can be a breakdown in the relationship because the the rescuer may be sort of looking to the victim and saying well hang on you know i'm always listening to you you know i want you to listen to me now but the victim friend maybe well that's kind of like never been the deal you've always just listened to me what's going on change and that but it, that's scary for people i think yeah. it's like if i change the rules of the game yes are they are they going to leave the game exactly and it's being in the it, it, that's it's that worry that keeps us in the game right instead of having the stopping having the healthy conversation of you know what let's talk about our friendship let's look at what goes on here i've realized that actually i i never actually really let you help me i never ask you for help and for the victim friend to be thinking you know actually you know what you've got a point you are always looking after me if you can have that healthy conversation, you can get out of the drama and have a, mm-hmm. a clean, healthy relationship. But it might be the relationship's been so built on that, it can't do it. And you, and that's where it may be a breakdown. That, I mean, I, I think it's the same as when people come into therapy. They think they're just bringing themselves into therapy initially. But of course they're not. They're bringing in all their relationships. And one person in therapy will have a ripple effect on 
their immediate family and friends. And some relationships will be able to sustain and work through that. And some might not. Some that may be an end of some relationships. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, because you change a dynamic. Yeah. Um, and you change the relationship. And this is like the, the hard truth, right? If status quo is not working for you, yeah, you either carry that as a martyr the rest of your life and hold your resentment and bitterness, yes. or you stand in more alignment with what feels right and authentic for you. And then it shakes shit up. It's terrifying. It's terrifying for people. Very scary. It is very scary. But through that, you can have either it might be the end of that relationship. And then you're in a place to know how to build a better one in the future. You learn from it. Yep. Or you work through it and you have a better relationship. Right. And that's right. Cool. So actually, it's not as scary as it sounds. Scary at the time, but longer term benefits. Yep. So in German, they call it Lerngeld, like the learning money that you pay. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. So you either you pay your Lerngeld, you, yeah. <laughs> the, the drama is the learning and um, or the growth. And there's something about learning I don't know what that is. You know, when, when I have something going on in my relationship and I'm, you know, maybe resentment is building or something's going on and I'm like, Oh yeah. And I want, I seriously just want to point my finger like, yeah. And he never, and this one. And then I'm like, Oh crap. I got to look at myself. Cause I know, <laughs> I know if I'd start with myself first, half of the problem is solved. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, okay. So they seem to be doing X, Y, Z. Hang on. What's my part in it? Right. What a, oh, great, what a it's, and there's like, oh, I have more learning to do again. More learning, more <laughs> learning. Yeah, it never stops. Never stops. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So just to recap here, when when you're in the beginning of renegotiating your boundaries, there can be some fear that the result of the renegotiation could impact your relationships, but the bumps that are coming are either going to pay you back in learning or actual growth and depth in your relationship. So yes. well, bumpy, worth it. Yes. Um, there, there is something interesting. I, when I was preparing for our interview, I came across a few quotes um, about boundaries and I wanted to hear your perspective on this one. It says um, by Melody Beattie, we cannot simultaneously set a boundary and take care of another person's feelings. Yes, I, I think that is I think that is true. You you have to focus on the boundary because the moment if you start with focusing on the other person's feelings, then there's no boundary. The boundary is gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it's all they're ignoring what you want. Yeah, I'm saying no to you. But oh, you look really upset. How are you feeling? Okay. There does mm -hmm. need to be empathy. There needs to be empathy in boundary setting, but an empathy where you are keeping your feet on the ground so you can reach out to the other and say, okay, I can see saying no to you. You look upset. You mm -hmm. can tell me how you're feeling, but that doesn't mean it changes your boundary. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. So it's a very loving way to hold your boundaries and an empathetic way to hold your boundaries, but not change your boundaries based on their response. Absolutely. And it is important to bring in empathy. I think sometimes we can think of boundaries as very harsh, very unfeeling. Mm -hmm. It's not. You are in touch Mm -hmm. with your own feelings, firstly, and Mm -hmm. you're in touch with the other person's feelings. But it doesn't mean that you're swayed to go, oh, well, never, you know, so thinking back to like the saying no to the child, no, you, you can't, you, you know, I can't drive you around to your friend's house tonight. Seeing them upset, you can be in touch with that, but it doesn't mean you say, oh, I can see you're upset. Okay, I'll get my keys. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. <laughs> right. I love that. You know, I think I could do a better job at that as a parent, because I think sometimes when I'm setting a boundary, I want to get a little authoritarian, like, nope that's what's happening you know like because i do want to make them happy but if they're if i'm like if i don't want to then acquiesce i'll be like nope we're not doing it a little bit cold and i'm hearing that's that's a nice way of framing it of still being present empathize and not moving not moving the boundary that makes sense you know byron katie she talks about there's three three types of business there's your business my business and what she calls god's business you know it could be things out of outside of our control and that's one of the most helpful tools that um i learned right back when i was starting coaching of whose business am i in right when you're taking care of someone else's feelings you're actually in their business for how they are responding yes and how arrogant is it of us to think that we can control someone's thoughts or feelings yes yes absolutely yes oh so important thank you so much this is this is pivotal for people who are working on making themselves a priority and a lot of women that i work with are looking for more purpose and meaning and it's crucial that they start with taking better care of themselves and setting better boundaries So the work that you're doing is so important. Um, Let's just think, you know, like last, last words of wisdom. If someone's listening to this, they're going to check your book out and they're now prepared that they're going to have the tools, but the road ahead might be bumpy. What advice do you have for them? Be kind to yourself. Hmm. You know, coming back to that, actually, yes, okay, it will be bumpy. There will be times when you will say yes to the child and get your keys and then end up resenting them and having a rubbish end of the day. Okay, it's all right. You know, we, it is, it is the, the old sort of um, analogy of driving the car. You know, when you first drive a car and you first learn to sort of change gear, it is all bumpy and the clutch and you're bouncing around the road a bit. But you keep going and you end up driving smoothly. Setting boundaries is the same. It will be bumpy. There may sometimes be a bit of a near miss, (laughs) but you will end up driving smoothly. And the more you set the boundary, the more, you know how sometimes when we have a very familiar drive, we drive from A to B so many times, could be the school run, could be to work. And sometimes you get to your destination and you think, golly, I I got here and I really didn't take the journey in. We're so used Mm -hmm. to doing it. Mm -hmm. That could be the same as boundaries. It can get to the point where you do it and you don't even realize you're doing it. Mm-hmm. The more you practice it, the easier it becomes. Truly. Yeah. And it's, there's this level of, of accepting humanity to this. You know, a lot of my people are 
perfectionists. I call myself a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) And it's like, we won't, you know, no one shames a toddler for falling down. No one shames their teenage son for, you know, not being fluent in French in his first semester. Right. Why do we do that with ourselves? And it is that journey. And I do, you know, people come to me when they're struggling with stuff. And that's one thing I'm really honest about is there's no, yes, there are aha moments and, you know, epiphanies and all of that, you know, even in the first session, but true transformation takes time. Yes, yes, absolutely. And give it time. Every small step you take, every small boundary you put in place, remembering to stop and go, well done, well done me. I've done that. Yeah. One of my dear friends, um, she shared with me a concept that she had and she calls it the self high five (laughs) where she was struggling. She was struggling with a a terrible illness. And, um, through that process, she learned she had to be kinder to herself. So give yourself the self high five. Um, Absolutely. And so many, and well, I so often hear that, that people with the terrible illnesses or people who have had a sudden terrible loss, bereavement, either, um, or lost their jobs, you know, all the losses one can have, loss of health, loss of, you know, life, um, of a close one. Those are the people that then say, oh my God, you've just got to make the most of life. You've got to look after yourself. Okay, let's not all have to get to that point to learn how to look after ourselves. Right. Let's not be at the end of our life before we realize we should celebrate our successes. Yeah. Absolutely. So this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for your time and wisdom and for for, to you and Victoria for writing the book. Um, It's a really powerful contribution. If people want to learn more about you or find out about what you do more directly, where should they go? Um, I've got a website, um, which is um, www.jennyjennyemillercounseling.co.uk. I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Definitely check out the book, Boundaries, How to Draw the Line in Your Head, Heart, and Home. So thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you. This is Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with an anonymous quote. Lack of boundaries invites lack of respect. And I would add, not only from others, but of yourself. 